hopefully you found the notes on your table. And um, while you're getting those out, uh, I was pretty amazed uh, tonight, Susan, when you got up there and you started talking about, uh, you know, John 14, 6, because that's something that God laid on my heart, too, while I was thinking about this whole passage. And it goes right back to that statement when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And it really is tied into this section. So tonight, we're going to spend most of our time talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Hopefully, you found your notes. Uh, We are going to pick up at verse 5 and kind of just march through here. There's about three different uh, major issues in here to uh, to look at. So in verse 5, and we, as I get started, I just want to pray and ask that God would honor the reading of his word. Amen. Um, so in verse 5, it says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and not one of you ask me where you're going, but because I've said these words to you, grief has filled your heart. But I say the truth to you. It is better for you that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to uh, to you at all. But if I go, I shall send him to you. So uh, as we get started looking at this, I want you to see where he he says, uh, you know, I'm going away. He, he's going to say this numerous times in here. He's been saying this, trying to reiterate this, as even Susan was sharing with the kids, that he's trying to tell them, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die and I'm going to the Father. Um, and he's saying, <clears throat> uh, I'm telling you this. You're not asking me where I'm going. He explains that. This is because grief has filled your heart. He understands what's happening and where they are, and that by him saying this, they're just still in shock. Uh, Keep in mind, this is still the night, if you will, of that Last Supper. They're hearing all kinds of stuff. You know, there's a traitor among you, on and on and on. Uh, He's, you know, having this meal. All all these other things are happening, and... uh, they're just, they're really grief-stricken. They're hearing that Peter's going to deny him three times and all this other stuff. Now he's saying, I'm going away. They're just filled with grief. And he says, but look, it's better if I go because when I go, the helper will come. When he comes, he's going to lead you in all truth. He's going to say that here in a minute. Uh, but he says, but if I go, then I'm going to send him to you. Well, let's, let's go on because as he continues to talk about the Holy Spirit, um, he says this in verse 8. And having come, who? The Holy Spirit. This is what he says is going to happen. There's a twofold ministry of the Holy Spirit. One is to the world, and the other is to the believers. So you have to keep that in mind as you think about the job of the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, in verse 8, he shall reprove the world. Now, he, this is, uh, if you will, convict, bring to light, help them see some truths. There's three points in this reproving or convicting the world. 
And can I add, God doesn't need you or I to convict anybody of anything. He hasn't called you or I to be the Holy Spirit. He's called you and I to love one another, to even love the lost enough to be willing to die for them, not condemn them. They're our brothers and sisters, if you will, still caught in darkness, just like you and I would still be had not the Holy Spirit come and got us. Are there others here that can testify that you know that you know that you know that God came and got you, you didn't go get him? I mean, y'all have heard my story. I was saved at youth camp and couldn't get down the aisle fast enough because I knew God was speaking directly to me. And when I come out of counseling, when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, there's all these other kids out there waiting on me to come out. They're all in tears. I don't know what's going on. And they're like, well, you don't know this, but we've been praying for you since we got here. And I said, well, that explains. And they said, explain what? And I said, I haven't been able to sleep since I got here. And all I've done is cause trouble in the back. Literally playing poker, and all kinds of garbage in the back, making girls cry because they thought I was, I don't know, the demon in the flesh or something. I don't, I don't know. They were like, oh, you're just, you know, I'm like, we're just hanging. We're not doing anything real bad. I mean, we're just, we're just here, you know. Anyways, God came and got me. I know it. So let's look at this. So it says he's going to come and he's going to convict the world and he's going to convict the world of three things. This is interesting, very, very fascinating. He's going to convict the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. I'm going to tell you that most of the time I believe that we misconstrue the job of the Holy Spirit and don't understand what he's really even talking about here. So that it's amazing when you just slow down and read the Bible, isn't it? And when you read it in, when you read it in context, you go, oh. But when we read this, you go, okay, he's going to convict the world of sin concerning righteousness and judgment. And it's almost like you want to, you know, you envision some old-timey Baptist pastor, you know, up there preaching hellfire and damnation and, you know, you need to come to Jesus and on and on and on. Well, I want you to see what he says because then he explains those three points so that there can be no confusion over what he's really talking about. So in verse 9, he says, concerning sin, so he's going to start there, because they do not believe in me. What was it that he said? John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So right here he says, concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. It's not concerning sin because, you know what, you're doing too much alcohol, you wretched sinner, you're going to burn in hell, you know. Turn off that TV, you're going to burn in hell, it's going to rot your eyes out. Right? How many have heard all that stuff? You know, alcohol is of the devil and on and on and on. And on. All these other things. Is that what Jesus says? Concerning sin because you're a wretched individual. You evil, mean, and nasty person. What does he say? What is the sin that the world will be judged by? Unbelief in him as the son of God. Everything else is symptomatic of that. 
He's not going to judge people because they were addicted to pornography or they're an alcoholic or they beat their kids or cheated on their wife or cheated on their husband or lied on their taxes or lied to the cop when he gave them, was going to give them a ticket and they said they had appendicitis or whatever and he got out of the ticket or the girl batted her eyes at the cop and got off. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is, it's none of those things. He said, there, he, the Holy Spirit is going to come and convict the world of sin, and it's the sin of disbelief that Jesus, Yeshua, is the one true Savior, Messiah. That that is the issue. That is the main issue. Is he the Messiah or not? Are there multiple paths to God or not? There's not multiple paths. In general, sin is the act of going against the very word of God as stated in 1 John and in other places. In 1 John it says, this is sin, not following the law. In other words, being contrary to what God said. That is sin. But the ultimate sin is rejection of the Messiah. And that's not what he's not talking about people that are just going against the law. He's talking about people that tied with that because in the law it says, I'm going to send my Messiah. I'm going to put my words in him. You're to listen to every single thing he says. And if you don't, I personally will require it of you. That's the judgment. But that's not the judgment here that he's talking about. It's really important to see this. It's, it's powerful. So... Uh, in this case, Yeshua says that it's the sin that the world will be judged on is denial that Yeshua is the Son of God. So he goes on then and he says, and concerning righteousness, watch this. Concerning righteousness, why? He explains it. What does it say? Because what? Because I am going to the Father. So then is he talking about the righteousness or unrighteousness of the world? Is that what the Holy Spirit's going to judge them on? What does he say? Right, wh whose righteousness here then is he talking about? His righteousness. Not ours. Not our unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of disbelief in the Savior and disbelief in his righteousness. Because they don't believe he's the Savior. They don't believe he's the righteous one that has the power and authority to go back to the Father from whom he came. The two go together. <clears throat> Even though in the Scripture, there's a lot in there that does talk about what righteousness is. Righteousness is conformity to the law, like it talks about in Deuteronomy 6.25, if you want to jot that down. In uh, Psalm 119, 172, it also says there that for all your commands are righteousness. Even in Isaiah 51, 7, we talked, it says that, listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law. Remember what he said? He says, I'm going to come. I'm going to do this new commandment. I'm going to write my law in, on your heart. And he says here that righteousness is having God's law in your heart and doing it. 
Well, that kind of makes sense, right? Because Yeshua is what? He's the very embodiment of the very Word of God. He is the example of righteousness. And here he says that the world is going to be convicted not on our righteousness. We're going to be convicted because we didn't believe in his righteousness. People that claim he's just a prophet or he's just a good guy or that he is like the brother of Satan, he's just not the one that fell. The list goes on and on and on of what people believe about Jesus. There are full-blown, quote-unquote, if you will, Christian denominations that deny the deity of Christ, of Yeshua. They claim that he was born of, created by God the Father, but he's not really God the Father, he's God little g. Full-blown denominations that believe that and tout that garbage. I guess Jesus is schizophrenic because he claimed to be God and that's why they crucified him. They said, we're crucifying you not because of what you're doing, but because you claim to be God. You claim to be the very son of God. Anyways. Um, so Yeshua makes it very clear here that uh, the world is going to be con uh, convicted on righteousness because he is going to the Father and they're basically claiming, no, you didn't. Because you're... I mean, you're a human being. I mean, for crying out loud, you can't really be God in the flesh. That's kind of crazy. Um, so they're going to be convicted of, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to convict the world about. He's not going to convict people, watch this, because it's in our face every day now because they're so militant. He's not going to convict people on their sexual orientation. Everything, all the craziness that's going on in the world are symptomatic of people not bowing the knee to the Savior. Everything. However messed up your marriage and job and all that other, it all goes back to whether or not we have bowed the knee to Yeshua as our Savior because there's not a person in this room that is really good, right, righteous, and, and holy. Every single one of us in here are messed up, saved by the grace of God. Every one of us. Every one of us came to God because God came and got us. That's why it says you're saved by grace through, your, through faith. And that, the faith, is not of yourself, lest any one of us should boast. But it is the free gift of God. So in that passage in Ephesians, it's talking about the faith that you have, God gave you that. That ought to give you goosebumps. The faith that you exercise to accept Jesus as your Savior, you didn't drum that up on your own. The Holy Spirit said, you know what? I want you. I love you. And I'm going to give you the power to accept Jesus as your Savior. So there, nobody in this room's got bragging rights. You weren't so smart and good that you said, well, at least I accepted Jesus. They didn't, so they're going to get what they deserve. I've had Christians tell me that. Well, they're just going to get left behind because, you know what, they didn't accept Jesus, but man, at least I did. Well, that's the spirit of Jesus right there, isn't it? Just dripping with holiness. <laughs> it's not. God loves us so much that he not only sent his son, but he sent the Holy Spirit and he helped us come to him. Because we couldn't do it on our own. 
We were wretched, dead, vile. That's why it says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, he died for us to show us how much he loves us. It goes on and on and on. And then look at this, and concerning judgment. When you read that superficially, yeah, he's going, you're going you're gonna to go to hell if you don't come to Jesus. Right? It's not what he's saying. What does he say here? Concerning judgment, what? Because the ruler of this world is judged. So what judgment is he talking about? Their judgment? No. All of this that the Holy Spirit is going to do as far as convicting the world has to do with Jesus' victory right here over Satan and sin and death and destruction and damnation. The rejection of that, what they're also rejecting is that he conquered Satan, the ruler of this world who messed everything up, tried to mess even us up, even our DNA, and on and on and on. And he conquered all of that when he died on the cross. Do you see that? Everything revolves around who? As far as what the Holy Spirit is doing when he's convicting the world. It's all about who? Yeshua, Jesus. Every bit of it from start to finish. Because he says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. You see, Satan has already been judged and his penalty is forthwith. There's going to be a thousand years in prison while Yeshua is here on this earth. We call that the millennial reign. And then he's going to be released to reveal those that still believe in Satan and follow him over the risen and ruling Messiah. After a thousand years of Jesus reigning and ruling on this earth, there will be a mass multitude of people on this earth that will follow the beast that comes out of the pit, Satan, Lucifer himself. Because it won't matter if the Son of God returns to earth and is physically sitting and ruling on the earth for a thousand years, people are still going to say, yeah, but I still ain't buying it. After that, he's going to cast them all into the lake of fire and, be, and it'll be done. This threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world is all focused on Yeshua and his conquering Satan, death, and those aligned with them. All kingdoms, peoples, and principalities are now declared under the rule of Yeshua, and one day we will see it as a physical, complete reality. God is ruling over all nations, all, all. He's in control of everything. There are things happening in the world today that you just go, man, you know, I don't get it. One of the things that I just don't understand at all, it doesn't make any sense at all to me. Israel conquered the old city of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount in 1967 and then gave authority of the Temple Mount to Jordan. Why? Because God designed it that way. That's why. 
because he's timing everything out so it will happen exactly the way he said it would happen at the end of time. So before you get all freaky, you know, about, you know, this ought to happen, that ought to happen, da 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 it's all okay. God's in control. He's in control of everything. One day we're going to see all this a real physical reality where every knee is going to bow, every tongue's going to confess that he really is God. He really is the King of kings, Lord of all lords. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. The goats one way, the sheep the other way. I want to be with the sheep, amen? And man, can I relate to even my sheep? I'm just not too bright sometimes, you know? Um, there's something about being a shepherd, a real shepherd, and God using that to teach you <laughs> constantly. Now then look at this. This is where he says, I still have many words to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Why can't they bear it now? They don't have the Holy Spirit yet. They're not looking at the resurrection yet. They're still dealing with their mind, their emotions. Can you imagine? It, it, their heart has to be in a whirlwind right now. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the hindsight that we have of, yeah, I know Jesus is going to die. I know it's going to be bad. I, I get it. But guess what? Sundays are coming. If you never heard that sermon by S.M. Lockridge, you need to go find that one. It's Friday, but Sundays are coming. Write that down. You'll be glad you did. I think it's on YouTube. S.M. Lockridge, it's Friday, but Sundays are coming. Everybody's writing. You should. I had the chance to sit to listen to him preach one time while I was at Criswell College. Brought the house down. Man was anointed by God. My goodness, a guy could preach. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, that's his name. Goes by S.M. or went by S.M. Lockridge. Uh, we have the hindsight of all that. They didn't have that. So it's a real whirlwind. And he says, I've got a lot of things I really want to tell you, but you, you, just, you just can't handle it. Then he says this, but when he comes, who? The spirit of truth. He shall guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself or from himself, but whatever he hears, he shall speak and he shall announce to you what is to come. So he's going to come. And this is this ministry now to the believer. How many times, I mean, it, it gets even nauseous sometimes when I see programs, read books, see people on TV, whatever. You need to come and get my DVD set. I'm going to teach you how to pray and how to get God to do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da for you. If you just learn this secret prayer life and you do it this way or whatever, and then you know this, what, what you're going to get. And I'm sitting there going, where is that really in Scripture? Here's what it says in Scripture. Now we see that there is a different ministry of the Holy Spirit to the believer. He shall guide you in all truth. This truth is not how to become powerful, successful, free from sickness. Watch this. But to glorify Yeshua. That's what he's going to reveal to you. This is how you can glorify Yeshua, who we just heard that the conviction that the Holy Spirit's going to do to the world 
is on the rejection of Yeshua, what he accomplished, his righteousness, and the fact that he's already judged Satan and it's done and they're rejecting all of that. Rejecting it to the point to where when you get to the millennial kingdom and this other thing that'll happen, the world is gonna say, oh no, 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 he's not judged, he's not final, he's still powerful, I'm gonna go on his side, we're gonna show you that you really didn't do what you said you did on the cross. That's what that's all about. You think you really conquered him? Well, then why is he back? You evidently didn't conquer him, and yet God's saying, well, yes, I did. All of this is panning out just so we can actually see the wickedness in our hearts. So the power, the, what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do for the believer is not to show us how to be healthy, wealthy, wise, and on and on and on. Uh, his job is to show us how to glorify Yeshua, to reveal what is to come, and he will take what belongs to Yeshua, and watch what it says. It says, and announce it to the believers. So he's going to take what belongs to Yeshua and his glory, and he's going to announce it to us. Folks, I think a lot of times we're simply praying for the wrong things. We're praying for peanuts when God gave us steak. It's like, yeah, I'll fly southwest. God, I'll fly southwest all the time. And he's like, are you kidding me? I resurrected the Concord just for you, buddy. I'm going to send you supersonic in first class, and you want to eat peanuts? That's all you're asking from the Holy Spirit is peanuts? You know, what kind of car should I buy? You know, all these other little trinket things that we pray about, and he's like... You want to really get in tune with the Holy Spirit? Then start praying and say, God, Holy Spirit, show me how I can glorify my Savior. Man, and he'll do it. He'll do it. This, Folks, this means that the work of the Spirit in the life of the believers to reveal truth from Scripture in order to glorify Yeshua and not our lives. Who's talking here? It's not a trick question. Who's talking? So Jesus is talking and explaining to us the work of the Holy Spirit. You think we ought to listen? Or should we go get another self-help Holy Spirit book down at the local Christian bookstore? It's ridiculous. He's going to reveal to us and show us from Scripture the glory of our Savior and how we can point people to Him and bring glory to Him. This is real powerful where this leads us. Which is exactly what Yeshua said right there on our wall in John 14, 6. What He said was, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get to the Father, you've got to go through me. You've got to go through me conquering sin. What is the sin? Rejection of the Messiah. That's the ultimate unforgivable sin. Rejection of the Messiah. Concerning righteousness, whose righteousness? His righteousness that he's the only one righteous. He's the only one that has the right and authority to judge the world because he is righteous and perfect. Concerning, concerning judgment, what judgment? That he overcame the world. All of this points back to Jesus. It doesn't point to us, folks. It points to Christ. It points to the Messiah. 
That's supposed to be our job. Leading people to the Messiah. Are we catching that? Um, this, this whole conversation that he's having here is also something very practical because he's like, look, I want to tell you this. I'm going to the Father. You're really not going to be talking to me. What? <laughs> what does he say here? You're not going to ask. You're going to ask the Holy Spirit. Remember the passage says even the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that we don't even know how to put into words. He's interceding for us. He's helping us communicate to the Father and the Son. And he's trying to help us understand from Scripture how we're supposed to be glorifying our Savior. That's the number one job. That's job one, folks. It's not, the Holy Spirit's job isn't to help you find a mate. Does God want you to be maybe happily married? Maybe. Would he prefer to be happily single? Maybe. Is, is he involved in all these other things? Well, of course he is, but what's the most important thing? And watch this, when you start chasing the most important thing, all the other things just kind of fall into place, don't they? When you finally get your priorities right. <clears throat> so he says he's going to guide you into all truth in verse 13, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he heals he's going to speak. He's going to announce to you what is to come. So the Holy Spirit's going to announce to us and show us from Scripture, what is happening and what will happen. And then look what it says in verse 14, and he shall what? Glorify me. He shall esteem. He's going to glorify the Son, not us. He shall take what is his, what is mine, and he's going to announce it to you. Then he says, you know, because all that I have, all that the Father has is mine, this is why I said to you, he will take what is mine and he's going to announce it to you. He goes on describing all these things. But this, I'm going to jump down to verse 23. If you'll look at your notes, just jump down there with me. Well, I know I'm skipping a little bit, but I'm going to run out of time. Verse 23 says, and in that day you shall ask me none at all. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he shall give you. So in what day is he talking about? He's talking about after the resurrection and when the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes. They, they, all of a sudden, boom, God is speaking to them, showing them, they're understanding everything. And it says, um, when that happens, in that day, you're going to ask whatever for the Father in my name, and he'll give it to you. So if you tie this together, what could be possible that he is talking about here, about us asking for something, watch this, in his name, meaning in his stead, or watch this, or on his behalf or for him. Don't take this stuff out of context. What did we just talk about? So when he to glorify him. So he says, so at that point, whatever you ask in my name of the Father, he will give it to you. How many times have you heard this verse used to say, so if you ask for something in Jesus' name, he's gonna, you ask whatever your heart desires. Literally, from pulpits. 
Christian pastors preaching, you ask for it in Jesus' name and he's going to give it to you. You know why you don't have? Because you don't ask. And you ask because you don't, and you don't receive because you don't really believe. So you just need to believe harder and ask for anything. It's where they pull all this stuff in like, that's not what it says. Read it in context. When you're asking it in Jesus' name, you're asking it on his behalf. And what is it that he desires more than anything? That the world will know that he came from the Father, that he died on the cross, rose again. His righteousness is good and acceptable. And he has judged the ruler of this world and conquered the world. That, my friends, is job one. Nothing else really matters. In verse 26, he says, In that day you shall ask in my name, and I do not say to you, I shall pray the Father on your behalf. What? I thought he was interceding for us. When it says that he is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, he's interceding for us because Satan, our accuser, is throwing accusations at the Father about us. Still trying to gum up the works. And constantly Yeshua is saying, no, that one's mine. Hey, Satan, remember this? Idiot. He trusts in me and confesses me as your conqueror. So you don't have a place here, buddy. You don't have any authority. Bug out. Get out of my father's throne. Get out of his throne room. Get out of here. That's what he's talking about. So he says, you're going to, in that day, you're going to ask anything in my name. And I'm not saying that I'm even going to pray to the father on your behalf. Look at this. For the father himself loves you. Because you have loved me. And watch this. And have believed what? There it goes right back to what he said that the number one job of the Holy Spirit is and what the conviction of the world is on sin is not believing who he is and that he came from the Father. And he says, the Father loves you and loves you. Why? Because you believe that I came from him. Folks, I'm a pastor and I've been a pastor for a long time and I've got to tell you that the first time I heard and I'd been preaching for a long time that I really needed to be praying to the Father. It kind of rocked my world a bit. What do you mean? I am, I'm supposed to be praying to Jesus, aren't I? I never really thought about praying to the Father that much. It was always, you know, Jesus this, Jesus that, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I grew up Southern Baptist. I mean, it was Jesus, Jesus everything, you know? Hallelujah, Jesus. You know, thank you, Jesus. I went to the hospital one time with kidney stones. She gave me some morphine, and I said, thank you, Jesus. And the nurse said, no, don't thank you, Jesus. Thank you, morphine. And I said, no, thank you, Jesus, for the morphine. <laughs> Because I was hurting. I mean, that's just the way it was. Right here, Jesus is saying, look, you can pray directly to the Father. You don't have to pray to me and ask me to ask the Father on your behalf. The Father loves you because you believe I came from him and you can pray directly to the Father. That's pretty cool, right? Y'all gonna make me do this by myself? I think it's awesome. I think it's incredible. And he says, and why? He says, because you believe that I came from God. Now then, look what it says. I'm going to jump down to verse 33. This is the close here. And he says, you know, verse 32, it says, an hour is coming. It's already really already here. You're really going to scatter. You're going to leave me alone. But I'm not alone. Why? Because I'm really with the Father. And he goes, these words I've spoken to you. I've told you all these, these things. Why? That in me, you can have peace. In the world, you're going to have pressure or tribulation. You're going to have trouble in this world. They're going to hate you. They're going to hate you for really, you know, 
teaching the truth. I've got people that hate me at this point because I've been telling you guys what the Bible really says. I don't know if you know that or not. I'm a heretic. I'm pretty much God forsaken, according to some's opinion. Because I'm just telling you what the scripture says because it's not your general. What happened was I woke up one day and said I thought I wasn't playing the game and found out I was. And I will not go against what the word of God says. I won't do it for you. I won't do it for my own family. I won't do it for my own life. If it costs me everything I ever own. I will not adulterate God's word for one penny. Um, He says, in the world, you're going to have pressure, you're going to have tribulation. What hurts worse is when it's not even just the world, but your friends and fellow Christians that will hate your guts and put words in your mouth you never said and attack you and malign you just simply because you love God, you love his word, and you're trying to tell people what his word really says. But then he says this, but take courage. Now look at this. He can't, it's like he wraps it one way, then he wraps it the other. Then he wraps it top to bottom, then he wraps it side to side. Then he says, you know what? Now I'm gonna wrap it diagonally, and then I'm gonna come back this other way and wrap it again so that you don't miss this. This is why this is so huge. He goes, look, in the world you're gonna have tribulation, but take heart, have peace in me. Why? He tells us at the very end there. Right here on the cross. This is beforehand. He says, I'm telling you this beforehand so that you can understand. And in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But take courage and have peace in me. Why? Because I really have overcome the world. Job one. Folks, uh, I've said this so many times. The, the Bible has never made more sense to me now than it, than it does now in my life. And I hope it does for you. And I hope you're learning a lot as I am. And it's, it's just, you know, mind-blowing the, the truths in the Word of God. And watch this. And it's also mind-blowing how simple this story really is. But when we start learning these truths, you know what happens? to probably everybody in this room, including me to some degree, we get so excited about learning something new, we want to learn something new. And maybe forget job one. Folks, our job is not, watch this, this might come as a shock to some of us here, but our job here as a fellowship is not to correct false doctrine in the church. Our job really isn't to fix anybody. You know what our job is? To bring glory and honor to our king. And what is the number one way we can bring glory and honor to our king? Bringing people into the kingdom. Bringing people into the kingdom. Revealing to them, helping them see through the convicting work of the Holy Spirit Jesus has conquered sin and death. Jesus has conquered Satan, the ruler of this world, and he has gone to the Father because he is righteous and he's the only one that is righteous. Therefore, 
The only way to get to the Father and get out of this mess is found in John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. No man gets to heaven. No man gets out of this except through the one Messiah that God sent. Period. Secondly, we're to be praying for us as a fellowship on what we can do collectively to bring glory and honor to the king. That also means fellowship, break bread together, pray for one another, pray for those that even don't like you. Not easy, right? Let's be honest. It's not easy, you know, because you'd like to, well, you know, slap them so silly their grandkids wake up dizzy, that kind of thing, you know, what, what, because you get, we get angry, right, when we get hurt. And God says, no, you need to pray for those that abuse you, pray for those that accuse you and malign you. Why? Because we're to display the love of Jesus so that Jesus can be glorified and people come into his kingdom. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So what do we need to be praying about? Well, I think we as a fellowship need to be praying about ways that we can bring people into the kingdom. We can't lose sight of that. If we focus so much on, you know, keeping the biblical feast, you know, I'll sum it up, you know, with, you know, keeping Torah and all that kind of stuff. All that's fine. But that doesn't mean diddly squat when it's just us and we're not putting the glory on the sun. If we forget about the cross, if we forget about our salvation, if we forget about what Jesus just said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's got two jobs. One, he's going to convict the world about me and what I did. Two, he's going to reveal to my believers, my people, what I did and how they can glorify me. And he's glorified through the world understanding that he really is the Messiah. That's how he's glorified. And he's not glorified by how many people we have here. I'm not getting at that. But quite honestly, these seats also represent souls. They do. And so we need to be thinking about and praying about, you know, how can we bring people into the kingdom lovingly and where we don't become judgmental, hateful, you know, Torah terrorists, as they say, you know, well, you're doing it wrong. Look, everybody's doing it wrong. Crying out loud. None of us in this room have got it all figured out. We're not in the land. Temple's not there. On and on and on. So we're all kind of cheating. All of us are cheating to try to make it work. That's fine. Get off your high horse on all that stuff. Let's tell people that Yeshua came and died, rose again, ascended to heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and this same Yeshua is coming back to get us. And this same Yeshua can not only defeat Satan, but he can set people free from the bondage that they're in. And they can stop trying to get out of that bondage by their willpower. How many times... How many times do we have to bust our head because we're trying to do something in our own willpower? 
That whole sentence is wrong. The whole mindset is wrong. There isn't a problem when you're on your knees bowed before the king with no rights, no wants, no desires. God, Yeshua, I want what you want. And that's it. When that becomes your mindset, watch this, sin becomes less of a problem. Because you're not asking God to give you the courage and the strength to forgive that idiot. Wrong prayer. Wrong focus. And guess what? It'll never happen because you just said that that person was an idiot. So your focus is already wrong. It needs to be, Yeshua, you died on the cross for me. You talk about humiliation. Hung you up there naked, beat you where you were unrecognizable, pierced your hands and your feet, then pierced your side, mocked you, spit on you, yanked your beard out, on and on and on, put you out there like a signpost for everybody going by to look at when they're trying to go in there to, to celebrate Passover. And up there he says what? Father, forgive them for they don't even understand what they're doing. And if Yeshua can do that, he's leading us to try to glorify him by us getting out of the way and stop praying for peanuts when he gave us steak. Focus on what Yeshua did and bring glory and honor to his name. And then guess what? Everything else starts to melt. Everything else start, it starts to fall. In. So in other words, nothing else matters. That's right, son. How long you live on this earth? That, that's right, son. What kind of job? That's right. Nothing doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Guess what? If you think you're starving, I can give you manna. I can cause a rock to split open and give you water. That coyote that's killing your chickens, Paul, I can send him somewhere else. The list goes on, right? Once we totally bow the knee to the Savior, everything else starts to melt away. You know, it's going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Let's just focus on glorifying the Savior, leading people to Him, telling people how much He loves them, showing them what His Word really says, disciple people, help people, watch relationships get restored, watch people get off drugs, alcohol, everything else, because now they're in love with something else more than they're trying to get away from their problems because they realize, no, God really forgave you. It's done. It's, it's over. Oh, you mean so I don't have to cover that? No, you don't, have to co- you, don't have to, you don't have to fill the void. It's done. Wow, really? Yeah, in other words, if you'll just surrender your life over to him and just let it, it it'll take care of itself. He can heal your wounded heart if you stop focusing on your wounded heart and start focusing on him. Then he becomes your focal point instead of like, Oh, you know, I got wounded. Oh, you know, I'm wounded. Yeah, God help me because I'm wounded. Well, guess what? Yeah, you're wounded. (laughs) Yeah, and who is it? We're all wounded walking around here. But when we focus on him and what he did, you're like, okay. Let's let's come on, let's go. 
Let's, let's go. Everybody's shot. Shut up and drive. You know, that kind of thing. And you're right. Black Hawk Down. I know it's a pretty violent movie, but I love that one line out of that movie. You know, he's trying to, he's the man, I'm shot. And he goes, shut up. Everybody's shot. Just shut up and drive. Let's go. Get out of here. You know, so we're all shot. Let's go. Focus on the job. Focus on what we're really supposed to be doing, which is glorifying our Savior. Let's all, come on, let's, let's do this. We're all shot. We're all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But praise God, he loves us and died for us. Amen? Folks, there's a world out there going to hell in a handbasket, and they need to hear this truth. The only way they're going to hear it, watch this, is if you and I tell them. People don't want to go to church, and they don't want religion. What they want to know is, did this really happen, and how can you prove it to me that it really did happen? There are so many lives in our city that are so messed up. They're going to go to church tomorrow morning. They're going to put a smile on their face. They're going to look real good. And inside, they're dying. There's going to be, there are people out there living like the devil. You know why? Because they're mad that God let whatever it was happen to them. And they're acting out on that because they're hurt and they're wounded. And that's why you see all this insanity going around. And the only way to solve it is not through politics. It's not through the next election. Trump is not going to bring in utopia. I think he's God's servant, but that's another issue. He's not perfect. Uh, but it's not going to get solved that way. It's going to get solved when we get sold out on Jesus, sold out on the gospel, sold out on telling people about him and trying to find ways to reveal that truth to the, the community around us, period. There's people dying all around us. Neighbors that we need to be reaching out to, that we need to invite into our homes. And can I go ahead and say this? And, you know, look, when we have fellowship, please come, participate, you know? Why do we do all these things? So that we can build a community, love on each other, and find a way to be one-minded in unity to reach the community with the gospel. Because if we don't do that, then what are we doing? I mean, you want to come and listen to me talk for the next 20 years? And nobody else? Uh, okay, is that glorifying the king? Is that bringing people into the kingdom? Is that attacking the gates of darkness and the gates of hell? Um, folks, I think we need to be leading people to Christ. And we need to find ways to do that. I'm not talking about, you know, crazy stuff, you know. I'm not talking about bringing in a tank in the auditorium and, impressing people and, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just honestly loving our community and bringing them into the kingdom. 